Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. I just want to speak a verse, and it's one of my favorite pictures of, uh, you know, who God is to us from uh, James chapter 1, uh, verse 17. It says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good gift, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Come on. Don't we need to know that in a year that has been so unpredictable? You know, 2020, uh, just last week, we spent half the week wondering what level we were going to go into, what shadow, how the shadows were shifting, how, how, you know, do we brace ourselves? I I kept thinking about, you know, those pre-flight instructions where they say, you know, if there's a crack, they'll be going, brace, brace, brace. And I think the nation kind of went into this brace position of what's going to happen again? What's going to happen for us? And I just want to bring a word this morning just to remind you that your heavenly Father is so unshakable. He is, his love is predictable. He he doesn't have mood swings uh, towards you, and he is not like a shifting shadow. You know, uh, inconsistent fathers can produce insecure children. And, um, you know, some people have said to me, you know, growing up, I never knew whether my dad was going to, you know, hug me or reject me. Um, But our Father in heaven is not shifty. He is constant. (laughs) And He is consistent. And, And that is in the way that He responds towards us through the posture of love. And I'm going to speak from a few verses in the first chapter of James today that remind us that when the shadows shift our way, that God has not left us. And no matter if you're going through something in this season, His grace has given you the ability to walk tall with courage and with hope And as you'll see, James says, even joy, (laughs) right through the trials of life. Let me just grab a drink here. Verse 1 of James. um, And James starts with an introduction. He's like, hi, James. I'm a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you didn't know, James was actually the younger brother of Jesus. And I don't know uh, about you, but can you imagine growing up as the younger brother of Jesus would be a tad intimidating? Uh, maybe his mother would say, I don't know, every mother has said this, why can't you be more like your, uh, your, your brother, Jesus? <laughs> How much pressure was that? You know, he, 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 was, he was, but he was just James. He wasn't James Christ. He was just like you and us, and, 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 and he, but he had his eyes on Jesus. And I love how he postures himself at the start of this chapter. I'm a servant of you, Jesus. And he uses the full name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so the book of James is actually known as the, uh, a New Testament version of the book of Proverbs. And, and the key emphasis in the book of James is really the application of our faith. You know, how does what you believe work out in your life? How does it work out in your family life? How does it work out in the way you use your words towards people? How does it work as you handle temptation? So it's this New Testament book of wisdom, and it does focus quite a lot on the works, on the works and the expression of our faith. And so verse 1 of James, it continues, to the 12 tribes. Um, And so this is to the Christians who are in Jerusalem, and it says, to the 12 tribes scattered amongst the nations. And so the book of James is actually one of the first letters of the apostles. It's written about 15 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, and it's written at a time where the persecution of the Christians had really ramped up. Stephen, if you know, he'd just been stoned to death with Saul watching on, and they were being killed um, because of the profession of their faith. Christians were being killed because of what they believed. And, and so they're in Jerusalem, and, and they had a choice to make. They, they had a choice. If they were going to remain in Jerusalem, they could have just renounced their faith if they wanted to stay safe. They had a cho- so they had a choice to reject their faith. They had a choice to be martyred for their faith, or they had a choice to flee you know, to run out of town, to, to get out of the, of, the, of the place that they grew up, to leave their neighbors, to be, you know, dislocated from their business, you know, without cell phones or anything like this, without, you know, without any welfare system. They had a choice to make because they realized that their faith cost something. Their, their faith had such high value and anything with high value actually has a cost associated to it. And so the, the book of James is actually written to these people that have just been scattered, run away, and left with almost nothing, picking up the pieces of their lives. So then verse 2 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, I'm on the tail end of a little virus, so I'm drinking lots of water. Actually, it's more of a cold. It's just a cold. Sorry, online. Sorry, the world. A couple of years ago, one spring afternoon, I climbed up, um, you know, before COVID-19. Um, I climbed up Mount Isabel near Hamna. I was on a retreat. And I love standing on the top of mountains. I think, yeah, that's actually the top right there. And um, I love the feeling of climbing up a mountain because it's just nice to conquer something if you don't feel like you're conquering anything else in life. Like, at least I <laughs> wasted you. <laughs> And, and, and I love and I love the views, and it's just great time to be with God. And um, so I went up there, spent an hour or so up there praying, and and then on my way down, I was following a path on the ridge, and I missed a turn off. 
somewhere on my trip down and I ended up in this random uh, gully and and so I retraced my steps and um, and then I couldn't find the route again to get back onto the path and meanwhile you know Suri's in my bag like rerouting rerouting <laughs> she wasn't helpful though and I remember just feeling, you know, when you feel, you just have that feeling of, I'm lost, <laughs> come on you, and you're just like, a little bit of a panic. It was um, near the end of the day as well. I wasn't really that panicky, honestly. I was pretty brave. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so I stopped and prayed, and then I reassured myself, and I spent time going up and down, and just really looking for the signs, you know, like, where was this sign? Where is the worn path? And then I eventually found it as it was, as dark, as it was actually getting dark and was able to find the connecting path and, and get myself down the ridge. And there's been other moments in life, and I don't know if you can relate this, when, when you feel like you're actually just lost in the woods. You've, you've done something, you've achieved something, and you've felt like this is where I need to go. But then somewhere or another in the process, you actually find that you're feeling a little lost. And, and, may, and for me, I've had times where I've been lost when I've been in business. I'm just like, what the heck am I doing? How did I get here as, as a parent? How do, I, how do I help my child understand? How do we bring harmony into our home? You know? And, and in, just in relationships in life, I've, I've felt lost at times and I've felt unsure of the way forward and and in those times you can end up feeling disorientated insecure and overwhelmed and I've got a good word for you today because if you're in that space I want to remind you that you're not alone that all of humanity has have times when they've been in the wilderness that Christians experience wilderness trialing seasons and it's a part of the normality of Christian life and, and I've known, I, I'm sure that God's like looking at me and he's like, there he is again. He's lost again. He's like, oh my gosh, somebody go and help him. You know, man, I've prayed and, and God's seldom come in and just rescued me from my situation. You know, done the helicopter. You know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, has he rescued many people here from the situation that you're in? He actually hasn't done that much for me. In the way of just removing me, God, take me out of this situation. He doesn't generally just take me out of the situation. What he's done is he's seen me. He's comforted me. He's given me a fresh understanding of how I got there. And he sent the right people around me and then walked out of the woods with me. Like that's how I've got out of the woods. So yes, he has taken me out but it's not been in the quick fix just like microwave this and let's get out of here because God is doing something in each one of us as he leads us out of the woods that's what he's maturing us and so James is telling us that difficult times are not a sign of our disqualification as Christians and he urges us to persevere he says come on because the trials that we face are the graduation pathway to our maturity and there is no other substitute for that pathway. There's actually no other 
substitute to graduate through perseverance so that you can come into the maturity of your faith. And so God's not ignoring the pain of this trial or the season of this COVID-19 thing for us Christians. He is with us. He is in the place with us. Whether we're feeling lost in the woods or, or that the path has completely disappeared, I want to tell you and encourage you to keep reaching out to Christ. He's going to mature your faith as you stay close to Him. It says here in verse 3, James 3, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. A couple of questions for you to consider if you're feeling lost in the woods today. Is this trial happening to me or is this trial happening through me? If it's happening through me, what I'm saying there is like, did I make the mess that I'm currently in? (laughs) Is there something I need to take responsibility for in this season? Is there a mess I need to clean up? And then the paint bucket analogy, if you spill the paint on the ground and the paint goes up the wall and on someone over there and on the guitar over there, how how do I go and clean up the mess? How do I take ownership and not play the blame game? What do I need to do? Do I need to say sorry to someone? Do I need to own something I've done? What do I need to do if the trial has come through me? You know, but if trials have come through you or they've happened to you, another really helpful tool is, or question to ask yourself is, who are the trusted mirrors in my world? Who are the safe people that can reflect back to me that I'm doing okay? Who are the safe people that can say to me something in truth coded in love? (laughs) Who are those ones that can reassure me? Who can I be honest with and speak the truth and encourage me through this time. We need people like that around us. You know, I heard a story uh, this week of um, about a wife, and, and and the story was that, that she, when she would hear her uh, husband coming home from work at the at the end of the day, she would actually race her children and the dog out to the car and and try to be the first one to grab a hug from her husband. Isn't that lovely? Like, it's such an amazing expression of love. Every, no. Um, so I started, uh, yeah. Debbie does that. I thought, I thought to myself, hey, as the man, how could I do, like, how could I give a, a radical demonstration of love to my wife? Well, it's not that radical, dang it. I've really said that. Oh. <laughs> uh, so what I did, it was just an impromptu thing. Like, I just heard this, and I'm like, what can I do? And then Debbie was just about to leave the house. So I'm like, I ran in front of her, and I opened every doorway for her to get out. And I even went to the front door and then opened the front door for her. Then I ran to the car, and I opened the car door. And then as she approached the car, I picked her up, and I put her in the car. And I was just like, I wasted that story. 
that has been that was a true expression of love except when i thought about it it actually probably looked more like i was trying to get rid of her as fast as i could <laughs> so james 1 3 <laughs> says the testing of your faith produces perseverance and Ephesians 2, I think this is the first verse I ever learned as a Christian. It's so important to learn the word. That it's by grace that we're saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's a, it's a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. But it's by grace that we're saved through faith. The word grace means basically unmerited, unearned, undeserved faith, uh, favor. And so this is God's part. This is God's, this is what God has done for us. This is, this is not our part. He has given us the grace that we need. But faith is our response to what God has provided for us. Faith is our part. And so God has given us all the grace that we need to move through the challenges of life. But we need to engage our faith to express that grace through the challenge because our faith James is telling us looks like something see faith doesn't just stay in the house and just say oh you know by the grace of God Debbie can you know feel the love that I have for her because you know she knows I love her but unless there's a demonstration of my love towards her there's no certainty that I'm in agreement with the love that I know that I have. See, faith requires action. And so James is telling us here that our faith is being tested in a trial. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? <laughs> you know, God will only give us what he can entrust us with. He's only going to give us what he can entrust us with. And, and, you know, we don't have legal permission to drive on the road unless we pass a test. And I want to propose to you that in a similar way, God is examining our faith. Our faith is being tested. You know, trials can bring the worst our way. And trials can bring the worst out in us. But I want to encourage you to let those trials develop your worth, not bring out the worst. You know, if our faith is deactivated, we're going to only look at our trials through the lens of inconvenience. Oh, just inconvenient. Just so annoying that that's happened again. Why does it always happen to me? <laughs> so inconvenient. You know, but God has given us the grace and the faith to move through the trials of life. It says in verse 4, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He desires for every one of us to walk in this concept of abundance and no lack, fullness, insecurity, provision, and expectation of hope for our future but you know if we just value our comfort over our character the trials that we face will derail our faith and God is 
He is looking to shape you into a great person of faith, a great man or woman of faith through the trial that you are experiencing. How about you just turn to your neighbor and just say, I see your true grit. I see you got true grit. You can get through this trial. How about just tell them that in Christ, you are more than a conqueror. Come on. You know, we just can't let, um, we can't let today's disappointments cast a shadow over tomorrow's dreams. That's still like his prophetic words, his promises are still yes and amen. In verse 12, it says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Someone once said, um, people are like tea bags. You don't know what flavor they are until they're in hot water. But James, how can you say consider it all joy when you face trials? Because in my experience, trials don't bring out the best flavors in my life. (laughs) The thing that we need to note here is the order of joy. That joy is not given as the reward of the trial. But joy is given before the trial that joy is given for the trial. And our culture says we need to wait for a more convenient season before we can experience and express joy. But the revelation here for us Pentecostals, for us Holy Ghost-filled, radical, normal Christians, come on, bring it is that we can't uh, separate the experience of joy from our difficult times. So James is opening up the kingdom of God to us in this, isn't he? He's saying the kingdom of God, heaven's reality is a reality that is in, in constant optimism over our lives. That now is the day for joy. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening.